Al-Bashir, your source of Islamic literature, presents the lives of the prophets, part two. Alhamdulillah, salatu wassalam ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. Musa was very shy, and that is how the mu'min, the believer, should be. He was always covering up his body. Then Israel said, Musa is not showing us his body because he's suffering from some kind of disease. And they accused him of leprosy and they accused him of, they said that syphilis, the expansion of the testicles. They said that's why he's always covering himself up. Bani Israel, they used to bathe together. They would go out in a river or in a pool and they would all take their clothes and they would just go in and bathe in front of each other. Musa would go alone and he would bathe alone and he would not let anyone see him. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted Bani Israel to see that this is not true. So Musa went to bathe. So he put his clothes on a rock, on a stone. And then when he looked back, he didn't find the stone. The stone was running away with his clothes. So Musa is running after the stone. And this is in Bukhari. We'll read the hadith. So Musa is running after the stone and is saying, Thawbiya hajar, Thawbiya hajar, bring me my clothes back, stone, bring me my clothes back. And he's running after the stone. And the stone took him around Bani Israel so they could take a look at Musa without any clothes. They saw the best creation of Allah. And then when the issue was done, the stone stopped by the order of Allah. So Musa had his stick, which he would carry with him always, and he started beating the rock, beating the stone. Rasulullah says, and he left on it marks that could be seen. He hit it so hard that it left behind marks. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, O oh, you who believe, be not like those who annoyed Musa, but Allah cleared him of that which they alleged, and he was honorable before Allah. Sayyidina Musa salam was with the children of Israel in the wilderness. They got lost in the desert. And Sayyidina Musa السلام, had to spend his life and his efforts dealing with his people. And Musa wanted good for them. Nevertheless, they were causing him difficulties and they were being stubborn and difficult to deal with. So Musa السلام, told his people, يَا قَوْمِ لِمَا تُؤْذُونَنِي وَقَدْ تَعْلَمُونَ أَنِّي رَسُولُ اللَّهِ إِلَيْكُمْ Oh my people, why do you harm me? When you know that I am a messenger sent by Allah to you. Why do you harm me? But Musa had to endure all of this difficulty with his people. And then his brother Harun السلام, the Prophet of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the right hand of Musa, his advisor, wazir, his supporter, his helper, throughout this period, his brother Harun السلام, passed away. Now Musa السلام, is alone to deal with his nation, with this huge nation of Bani Israel. Musa was alone. He lost his close associate and brother and advisor, Harun السلام. And then Musa received a visit from the angel of death in the form of a man. And this hadith is in Bukhari. The angel of death presented himself to Sayyidina Musa in the form of a human being, a man. And he came and he told Musa السلام, are you ready to die? Because we know that the angel of death takes our lives without announcement but he does not take the life of a Nabi until they take permission and they let them know. The angel of death told Musa, are you ready to die? Musa السلام, slapped the angel of death in his face and he knocked his eye out. He slapped him in his face and he knocked his eye out. So the angel of death went to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and said, Ya Rabb, arsaltani ila abla yurid al-mawt. Oh Allah, you have sent me to a man who doesn't want to die. And then the angel of death says in another hadith, this is not at Bukhari, I think this hadith was narrated by Imam Ahmad. He says, وَلَوْ لَا كَرَامَتْهُ عَلَيْكَ لَا شَقَقْتُ عَلَيْهِ 
And if it is not because I know that Musa is loved to you, I would have made his death difficult. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told the angel of death, go back to Musa and tell him to put his hand on the back of an ox and tell him that every hair that is under his hand, I will give him one year in his life for every hair under his hand. The angel of death went to Musa and said, Oh Musa, Allah is telling you, put your hand on the back of an ox and Allah will give you for every hair under your hand one year to live. Musa by now had chance to think about it. So he asked the angel of death, and then what? And then what will happen? Then the angel of death said, then you will die. Musa said, then let me die now. If in the end I'm going to die, let me die now. We don't know exactly why Musa rejected the angel of death in the beginning. But Ibn Kathir says, maybe it was because Musa had a desire in his heart that wasn't fulfilled yet. And Musa wanted that desire, wanted that hope and aspiration to be fulfilled. And that desire is a desire that Musa has been living for and awaiting for a long time in his life. And that is the promise of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to enter into the Holy Land, Jerusalem. So Musa wanted to have the honor of leading his people into the Holy Land and establishing the Islamic nation. He wanted to have the honor of leading his people into Jerusalem. But this was the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And when Musa realized that it wasn't ordained for him, he said, then let me die. But he said, I have a request. He told the angel of death, I have one request. And that is that you take me as close as you can to Jerusalem. Take me as close as you can, a distance of throwing a stone, and let me die over there. If I'm not able to enter into Jerusalem alive, at least take me as close as possible to Jerusalem so that I can die next to it. I can die next to the walls of Jerusalem. So Musa was living with the hope that one day he will enter into the Holy Land. And the only reason why he didn't is because of who? Bani Israel. They were on the gates of Jerusalem. They were on the gates. Musa told them, let's go and fight. They said, Go and fight with your Lord. We're going to stay right here. Then two men, two men who fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, whom Allah has bestowed his blessing. They came to Bani Israel and they told him, Udkhulu alayhim al-bab. Just walk through the gates and if you do so, you will win. And they refused. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not give Bani Israel the honor of entering into Jerusalem because they don't deserve it. They're not ready yet. And because of that, Musa was not able to enter into Jerusalem, neither was his brother Harun. And Musa alayhi salam died in a tih, died in the wilderness. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi says, فلما جاءه صكه فرجع إلى ربه فقال أرسلتني إلى عبد لا يريد الموت فرد الله عليه عينه وقال ارجع فقل له يضع يده على متن ثور فله بكل ما غطت به يده بكل شعرة سنة قال أي رب ثم ماذا قال ثم الموت قال فالآن فسأل الله أن يدنيه من الأرض المقدسة رمية حجر قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم فلو كنت ثم Rasulullah has seen the grave of Musa. And Rasulullah says in the hadith of Al-Isra, Rasulullah says that in, in Al-Isra, when Rasulullah traveled to Jerusalem, he passed next to the grave of Sayyidina Musa, and he saw him praying in his grave to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We'll move on to a story, an interesting story, an amazing story that occurred with Sayyidina Musa. And the reason why I delayed it until now is because we don't know exactly where this story fits in terms of the chronological order of events. And this is the story of Musa and Al-Khadr. It is a story of ajaib, of astonishing events from the beginning till the end. And the way this event happened 
is that Musa stood one day on the member, on the pulpit, and was speaking to Bani Israel. So one of the men of Bani Israel, the children of Israel, stood up and said, Oh Musa, who is the most knowledgeable man? Who is the most knowledgeable person? So Musa said, I am. Because he was the prophet of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He was the Nabi. He is the one who is receiving revelation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. According to his knowledge, he is the most knowledgeable person. Because he is the Nabi, he is the prophet, he is the one who has a direct link between him and Allah receiving the wahi from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So he said, I am. And this hadith again is in Bukhari. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told Musa, how come you did not say Allahu alam? How come you did not say that Allah knows best who is the most knowledgeable person? There is a man who has knowledge that you do not have. Musa did not say that I am the most knowledgeable because he is proud or because he is arrogant. That's not the reason. Musa is a Nabi of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who would not do that. But he said that he is the most knowledgeable person because that is according to his knowledge. So when it came to the knowledge of Musa that he is not the most knowledgeable person, he was so humble that he requested from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to allow him to be a student of that man. He said, oh Allah, how can I learn from him? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told him, you can meet him in the place where you miss or you lose your fish. That is where you will meet this learned man, this wise man. And the name of this man is Al-Khadr. And Rasulullah says in a hadith, an authentic hadith, that the reason why he was called Al-Khadr, because Al-Khadr in Arabic means green. The reason why he was named Al-Khadr is because he was once sitting on dry grass. And when he stood up, the grass under him was green. So that is why he was given the name Al-Khadr. A karama. Some karamat were happening on the hands of Al-Khadr. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told Musa that you would meet Al-Khadr in this specific place. So Musa took with him his servant. And who was the servant of Sayyidina Musa? Yusha bin Nun. Yusha bin Nun. And we're going to talk about Yusha bin Nun later. Yusha bin Nun was the servant of Musa. And because he was close to Musa and learning from Musa, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala appointed him to be the Nabi of Bani Israel when Musa passed away. Because he was close to Musa and he was learning from Musa. That's how we learn by, be, by being close to the learned ones. So this servant of Musa learned the wisdom and the knowledge from Musa and then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala appointed him to be the Nabi after Musa and Harun passed away. So Musa went with his servant. And it's mentioned in the Quran. He and his servant, they started embarking on this amazing and wonderful trip. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَإِذْ قَالَ مُوسَى لِفَتَاهُ لَا أَبْرَحُ حَتَّى أَبْلُغَ مَجْمَعَ الْبَحْرَيْنِ أَوْ أَمْضِيَ حُكُبًا And remember, when Musa said to his boy servant, I will not give up traveling until I reach the junction of the two seas or until I spend years and years in traveling. So the place you will meet him is the junction between the two seas. Some of the scholars say that these two seas are the Red Sea and the Mediterranean Sea. So you'll meet him in the juncture between these two seas. Wallahu. Musa was so determined to go and learn. He said, I would reach to the junction of the seas even if it would take me years in traveling. Allahu Akbar, Musa has so much knowledge already. He's already receiving the wahi from Allah. But because he knew that there's a man who has some other knowledge that he does not have, he's willing to make all of this traveling to go and learn. This is how Talib al-Ilm should be. The student of knowledge needs to sacrifice. You need to sacrifice to learn. Musa, even though he was knowledgeable, he did not say, what I have is enough. He traveled all the way. And he said, I would even travel years if I need to do so to go and learn. So we need to sacrifice if we want to learn. 
We need to sacrifice time and effort and money to learn. The servant of Musa was carrying this fish. It was a dead fish. They camped in a certain area and they went to sleep. But something amazing happened and this is the starting of the amazing things in this trip. This fish woke up and marched all the way to the sea and started swimming in the sea in front of the eyes of Yusha bin Nun. Yusha bin Nun saw this dead, dead fish wake up and then march all the way to the sea and then start swimming in the sea and it's making a tunnel behind it, Saraba. He forgot to tell Musa about it and they went to bed. And then they traveled. They traveled the next day. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فَلَمَّا بَلَغَ مَجْمَعَ بَيْنِهِمَا Then they reached to the junction of the two seas. Musa now was tired and hungry. And Rasulullah says, Musa did not become tired and hungry until that moment. All throughout this trip, until that moment, Musa never felt exhausted. And then Musa said, So they reached to the junction of the two seas, they slept there, and then they traveled the next day. So when they had passed further on, beyond the fixed place, Musa said to his boy servant, bring us our morning meal. Truly we have suffered much fatigue in this journey. Only then did Musa feel fatigue. And he told his servant, bring us the fish. Yusha bin Nun remembered what happened to the fish. He said, He said, do you remember when we betook ourselves to the rock? That's where they slept, next to the rock. I indeed forgot the fish. None but shaitan made me forget to remember it. It took its course into the sea in a strange way. Musa said that is what we were looking for. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told Musa, you will find al-khidr in the place where you lose the fish. So Musa said, that's what I was... That's what I was waiting for. Musa said, that is what we have been seeking. So they went back retracing their footsteps. Now Musa and, and Yusha bin Nun, they have to travel back the same way because Allah told Musa you would find him in the place where you lose the fish. So already they have traveled a long distance. Now they have to retract back. So Musa and Yusha bin Nun, are retracing their steps back. On their way back, they passed by a man who was covered under his blanket. So Musa saw that man and he told him, Assalamu alaikum. So the man stood up and said, Anna bi ardika salam. He said, People over here do not know about salam. Who are you? Musa said, I am Musa. So the man said, Musa bani Israel. Are you the Musa of the children of Israel? Musa said yes. Al-Khadr already knew him and heard about him. So when he said, I'm Musa, he said, Are you the Musa of Bani Israel? He wants to make sure. He said, Yes, I am Musa of Bani Israel. He said, I am Al-Khadr. Musa السلام, told Al-Khadr, I want to learn from you. Humble, a Nabi of Allah. He's telling this man who might not be a Nabi. Because there's a difference of opinion whether Al-Khadr is a Nabi or not. Some scholars say he is, some say he's not. And it is an undetermined issue because there's no evidence that he was a Nabi of Allah. He could have been of the Anbiya or he could have been a Wali of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we don't know. Regardless, it shows that Musa wanted to learn from him and he came in a very humble manner and he said, I want to study under you. Al-Khadr said, I have knowledge that Allah has taught me that you do not have 
and you have knowledge which Allah taught you that I do not have. So Al-Khadr, he knew that he has some knowledge that is unknown to Musa, and Musa has some knowledge that is unknown to him. Musa said, I want to follow you. Attabi'uk, I want to follow you. Al-Khadr said, you will not be able to follow me because you will have no patience. وَكَيْفَ تَصْبِرُ عَلَى مَا لَمْ تُحِطْ بِهِ How will you have patience on something that you do not know? You're going to see things that are amazing and astonishing and you're not going to have patience. Musa said, let me follow you. Let me follow you. Al-Khadr did not want to reject this student of knowledge, but he set a condition. He said, He said, if you follow me, ask me not about anything till I myself mention it to you. This is the condition. You follow me, but you do not question my actions. You accept what you see. Don't argue. Musa said, I agree. So they had, this was their agreement. They began this trip. Al-Khadr is taking Musa to Wonderland. It started with Al-Khadr and Musa crossing the sea. Al-Khadr wanted to travel to the other side of the sea. So he was looking for transportation, for a ship. So he found a ship. And he asked them to deliver them to the other side. It turned out that the sailors, the owners of the ship, knew Al-Khadr. And they offered him a free ride. We're going to carry you for free. They didn't do it because they know Musa. They did it because they know Al-Khadr. So this was a favor done to who? To Al-Khadr specifically. They knew Al-Khadr. Rasulullah mentions that in the hadith. They carried them without any compensation. Why? Because they knew Al-Khadr. The first thing that happened when they were on this ship Musa and Al-Khadr were sitting together on the deck and a bird landed on the deck and then that bird dipped its beak in the ocean, in the sea, to drink. Al-Khadr told Musa, did you see that bird? And Musa said, yes. Al-Khadr said, my knowledge plus your knowledge compared to the knowledge of Allah is like what that bird has taken from the sea. That one drop that the bird has taken from the sea is like my knowledge plus your knowledge. You said that you're the most knowledgeable person on the face of the earth. Allah told you that there's somebody who has more knowledge than you. We together, me and you together, combine the knowledge of the most two knowledgeable people on the earth compared to the knowledge of Allah. It's less than what that bird has taken from the sea. That is the knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the ocean of the knowledge of Allah. That's the first lesson Al-Khadr is giving to Musa. Our knowledge is nothing compared to the knowledge of Allah. And then Al-Khadr, when the sailors were busy with work, Al-Khadr took an axe and he broke a slab on the ship and he plucked out a panel. He destroyed part of the ship. He took his axe, he started destroying it. When the sailors were busy, they didn't know what was happening. And then he pulled out a panel from the ship. Musa, when he saw this, he couldn't believe his eyes. Because these men are doing you a favor. They're doing it for you, not for me. They're doing you a favor by giving you a ride for free. And you destroy their ship. Musa السلام, said, Shay'an 
So they then proceeded till when they embarked the ship, Al-Khadr scuttled it. Musa said, have you scuttled it in order to drown its people? Verily, you have committed a thing that is evil. How could you do this? How could you do this for the people who are doing you a favor? Is this, is this how you pay them back? They give you a ride for free and you destroy their ship? Do you want them to drown in the sea? Al-Khadr said, didn't I tell you you're not going to have patience? The agreement was that you don't question my actions. Didn't I tell you you're not going to have patience? Musa did not intentionally break his promise. Musa forgot. Rasulullah says, The first time Musa forgot. Musa forgot. Forgot his promise. So he told Al-Khadr, Musa said, call me not to account for what I forgot and be not hard upon me for my affair with you. Musa said, forgive me for this mistake and don't be hard. Meaning, I mean, even though our agreement is, if I, if I question you, our agreement is breached. But he said, I mean, give me another chance. Don't be strict. Give me another chance. Al-Khadr said, I'll give you another chance. Even though the agreement is over with. Al-Khadr could have told Musa, you have to leave. But Al-Khadr said, I will give you another chance. They reached to the shore on the other side. And they passed by children who were playing. What seemed to be innocent children playing. Al-Khadr walked up to one of these children. He picked him up. He grabbed his head and he tore it off. He tore off the head of the child. He killed him. Musa salam remembers exactly his promise. Now he remembers it. But we know the nature of Sayyidina Musa. He can never approve evil. If he sees something that is wrong, he speaks out against it. So Musa salam, even though he knows that he has given a promise not to question, when he saw this crime in front of his eyes, he said, Have you killed an innocent person who killed none? Verily you have committed a dreadful thing. How could you do this? This child is innocent. He didn't do anything. How come you killed him? Al-Khadr said, didn't I tell you you're not going to have patience? So the anger of Musa subsided and he told Al-Khadr, this is my last chance. He said, give me one more chance. Three strikes or you're out. This is my last chance. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, قَالَ إِنْ سَأَلْتُكَ عَنْ شَيْءٍ بَعْدَهَا فَلَا تُصَاحِبْنِي قَدْ بَلَغْتَ مِنْ لَدُنِّي عُذْرًا Musa said, if I ask you anything after this, keep me not in your company. You have received an excuse from me. That's it. You have done your part. And you have forgiven me enough. One more time. Give me one more chance. The third chance. If I break the promise for a third time, then you can go your own way. Al-Khadr agreed. فَانْطَلَقَ حَتَّى إِذَا أَتَيَ أَهْلَ قَرْيَةٍ اسْتَطْعَمَ أَهْلَهَا فَأَبَوْا أَنْ يُضَيِّفُهُمَا Musa al-Khadr walked into a town. And they asked the people of that town to feed them. It was in their law, in their religion, 
and in our religion too, in that the guest has a right upon you. You are not doing the guest a favor by providing for the guest for three days. And it's an obligation on you to help the guest and take care of that guest for three days. After three days, you can hold back if you want or you can continue, but it's up to you. But for the first three days, it's an obligation on the Muslim community to take care of the guest. So Musa and Al-Khadr, they walked into that town, they asked them to feed them, they provided them with nothing. They were very stingy people, they refused to help, they did not extend any helping hand to them. While Al-Khadr and Musa were walking down a street in that town, Al-Khadr saw a wall that was about to fall down. A cracked wall, very weak, it was about to tumble and fall down. Al-Khadr started erecting the wall again. Al-Khadr stopped and he was rebuilding that wall without per taking permission from anyone, without being requested to do so by anyone, and he's doing it for free. He's building that wall for free. Musa saw a contradiction in this. The people of the ship, the sailors of the ship who were doing you a favor for free, you destroyed their ship. The child who is innocent, you kill him. And these people who refuse to help us, you're doing them a favor for free. The people who help you, you do what seems to be harming them. And the people who are not doing you any good, you are helping them. So Musa had a suggestion to offer. He said, Why don't you charge them for building the wall? Why don't you charge them? Al-Khadr said, This is the end of our agreement. You have breached the agreement, you have to go your way and I go my way. It's done. But Al-Khadr said, before you leave, I will tell you the interpretation of the things you did not have patience on. I will interpret for you what was happening. <laughs> He said, I'll tell you first about the ship. That ship belonged to some poor sailors. That was their source of living. They would, they would use that ship for transportation or for fishing, but that was their only source of income. And there was a king on the way who was attacking the area. And that king is going to take every ship that seems to be in a good condition. So the king is going to come in that area and is going to take by force and confiscate every ship that seemed to be in a good condition. So Al-Khadr wanted to break this ship so that it seems to be an old destroyed ship so the king would leave it alone. And therefore, these poor sailors would not have lost their ship. And then they can fix it after the king leaves. That is why I broke off a panel from it. So at least the sailors will have their ship, even though it's not functioning, they will have it. But if I did not do this, the king would take the whole thing away. And they would lose their source of income. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brought for these poor sailors a blessing through the hands of Al-Khadr. And by the way, this ayah has been used as a supporting evidence for the issue of al-fiqh al-masalih al-mufasid and the scholars derive the rule from this ayah that if you are confronted with two evils if you're confronted with two evils and you must choose between one of them you choose the least or like they say necessary evil if you have to choose between two evils choose the least there were two evils here one evil was the king takes away the ship the other evil is I break a panel. Which is the least evil? Breaking a panel. Breaking that slab. Al-Khadr 
had this fiqh of choosing the least of the two evils. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, as for the ship, it belonged to poor people working in the sea. So I wish to make a defective damage in it as there was a king behind them who seized every ship by force. Next, the story of Al-Ghulam. He said that young boy, he was going to grow up to be a kafir, a disbeliever, and a tyrant. Tughyan is tyranny, and kufr is disbelief. So this young boy will grow up not only to be an unbeliever in Allah, but he will grow up to be a tyrant, and will cause his parents hardship and difficulty. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted the best for this family. So Allah wanted to take away the life of that young boy and to replace the family with another child that will be nice and kind to his parents and will be a believer in Allah. And this shows you that you never know what lies on the other side. These parents, let's think about their reaction when their child was killed. What do you think their reaction was? They would cry and they would mourn and they would be upset and sorry. Because they do not know what Allah is planning for them. Al-Khadr knew the plan, but they didn't. They were losing a child, but they did not know that that was the best for them. Because if this child grew up and was living, he would cause them hardship and difficulty. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted to take away this child and to give them another child that will grow up and become kind to them. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was hiding for this family good in what appeared to be evil. You might love something, but it's not good for you. And you might dislike something, but it's good for you. Allah says, as for the boy, his parents were believers, and we feared lest he should oppress them by rebellion and disbelief. So we intended that their Lord should change him for them, for one better in righteousness and near to mercy. Next, the story of the wall. Al-Khadr erected the wall. Al-Khadr said that wall belonged to two orphans in the town. Beneath the wall was a treasure. Al-Khadr was instructed to build the wall so the orphans would grow up and retrieve their treasure later. Because if the wall falls down, Al-Khadr left the wall alone, what would happen? it would fall down. And the treasure will be exposed. And these orphans are young. And they would not be able to defend their treasure. I mean, we know that the people of that town are not going to leave that treasure alone. Those people who refuse to feed Al-Khadr and Musa, who refuse to even give them some food, they're not going to leave this treasure with two kids. They're going to take it away from them. If these people were so miserable and stingy that they didn't even feed the Musa and Al-Khadr, we wouldn't expect them to be honest with the two orphans. They're going to steal that money. They're going to rip them off. Therefore, Allah wanted Al-Khadr to build the wall again so that the orphans would grow up and when they're old and strong, they would be able to retrieve their treasure. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, And as for the wall, it belonged to two orphan boys in the town, and there was under it a, a treasure belonging to them, and their father was a righteous man. Underline this. Why did Allah send Al-Khadr to rebuild the wall? Why? Because the father of the two orphans was what? Righteous. 
Allah protected the orphans, Allah protected the children because the father was righteous. If you want Allah to protect your children, then protect them with your good deeds. Protect them with al-amal al-salih. Sa'id ibn Musayyib, a tabi'i al-kabir, one of the major tabi'in, he told his son, Ya Bunay, inni la astakthiru min al-amal al-salihah hatta yahfadhak Allah. He said, oh my son, I am doing so many good deeds because I want Allah to protect you with them. Our good deeds are protection for our children. If we want Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to take care of our children, let's take care of them by our good deeds. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will take care of them even if you are not around. This man was dead. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala took care of those orphans. Allah sent al-Khadr specifically, specifically sent al-Khadr to go and fulfill that mission. Why? To serve that man who died because he was righteous. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will take care of your affairs. Don't worry. Allah will take care of you whether you are dead or alive. If you take care of the orders of Allah, take care of the commandments of Allah, what will happen? Allah will take care of you. Their father was a righteous man and your Lord intended that they should attain their age of full strength and take out their treasure as a mercy from your Lord. And then Khadr is saying something important. وَمَا فَعَلْتُهُ عَنْ أَمْرِي And I did them not of my own accord. These things that you saw me do, Allah is the one who is telling me to do them. This is knowledge from Allah. And that is how the believer should be. You never give credit to yourself, you give credit to whom the credit belongs to, and that is Allah. This is the story of Musa and Al-Khadr. Rasulullah says, يَرْحَمُ اللَّهُ مُوسَىٰ لَوْ كَانَ صَبَرٍ لَقُصَّ عَلَيْنَا مِنْ أَمْرِهِمَا Rasulullah says, May Allah have mercy on Musa. If he was patient, then we would have been told more about this amazing story. Rasulullah wants to know more about the details of the life of this learned wise man, Al-Khadr. We finish the story of Sayyidina Musa السلام, and we would like to end his story by mentioning a few of his fada'il, manaqib. These are not all of them, we'll just mention a few. Musa السلام, was the most frequently mentioned Nabi in Quran. He was mentioned more than any other Nabi. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has praised Sayyidina Musa and said, وَكَانَ عِنْدَ اللَّهِ وَجِيهَا He was distinguished. He was noble. He was honored. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who gave him that title. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَذْكُرْ فِي الْكِتَابِ مُوسَىٰ إِنَّهُ كَانَ مُخْلَصًا وَكَانَ رَسُولًا نَبِيًّا Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says and mention in the book, Musa, verily he was chosen and he was a messenger and a prophet. He was chosen. Mukhlasa. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose him from out of mankind. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Musa al-Bukhari Rasulullah says, don't prefer me over Musa. And we talked about what Rasulullah means by this. It is our belief and we know that Muhammad is the best of mankind. But we know what Rasulullah means of this. It is his humbleness. Don't prefer me over Musa. Rasulullah does not want us to, to, to uh, go to the uh, non-believers and start saying, we have Muhammad, you have Musa. Muhammad is better than Musa. No. Because Rasulullah does not want us to fight with the non-believers and end up taking a stance against the Anbiya of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because Musa is a Muslim and Isa is a Muslim. Therefore Rasulullah does not want us to get into that. He said, لا تفضلون على موسى Don't say that I'm better than Musa because 
Rasulullah says that on the day of judgment, everybody will go through a sa'aq. That is the shock. Everyone will go through that shock. And everyone will be unconscious and dead. And then Rasulullah says, and I will be the first one to rise up. But I will find out that Musa is already grabbing the throne of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And I don't know whether he was excluded from the shock or whether he did not go through the shock because he has already went through it when he asked to see Allah. You remember when we talked about Musa asking to see Allah? فَصُعِقَ Musa. He went through a shock and he fell unconscious. So Muhammad said maybe Allah did not put him through the shock on the day of judgment because he has already been through a shock in dunya, that's enough. Once is enough. So Musa السلام, will be excluded from that shock on the day of judgment. And Rasulullah once was distributing al-ghanaim, the spoils of war he was giving out. So one man came to Rasulullah and said, he said, the way you're dividing this wealth, you're not doing it for the sake of Allah. A man comes to Rasulullah and tells him, you are not doing it for the sake of Allah. Imagine this. You're speaking to the messenger of Allah, whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose, and you accuse him of being unfair and unjust. Obviously, Rasulullah was upset. And the Sahaba said, we could see anger on his face. But then Rasulullah said, Rahim Allah Musa laqad uudhiya bi akthar min hadha fasabar. May Allah have mercy on Musa. He was harmed more than this and he was patient. Musa went through a lot. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says about Musa, Ya qawmi lima tu'udhunani wa qad ta'lamuna anni rasulullah ilaykum. Oh my people, why do you harm me? When you know that I'm the messenger of Allah to you. So he went through a lot of harm. Nevertheless, he was patient and Rasulullah said, May Allah have mercy on him. He went through more than this and he was patient. Another, of the, another one of the fadail of Musa salam, Rasulullah mentioned one fadila for Musa in Al-Isra and one in Al-Mi'raj. When Rasulullah went to Al-Isra, Al-Isra is the trip from Mecca to Jerusalem. Al-Mi'raj is from Jerusalem to meet with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When Rasulullah was going in Al-Isra from Mecca to Jerusalem, Rasulullah said, I passed next to the grave of Musa and I saw him praying in his grave. And then when Rasulullah went in Al-Mi'raj, Rasulullah said, I met with Musa in As-Sama'a in the sixth heaven. Nobody was higher than Musa except Sayyidina Ibrahim in the seventh heaven. Musa was the highest in the sixth heaven. That is one of the fadail of Sayyidina Musa السلام, Rasulullah says, says, The Umam, the nations of the world were presented to me. I saw some prophets, they had a small group. Some of the prophets had a man or two following them on the day of judgment. Imagine a Nabi comes with one and two men or two men with him. That's it. All of his life he was making da'wah and the result was one or two men. That's it. And then Rasulullah said, and I saw some of the Anbiya and no one was with them. There were some Anbiya, they have no followers whatsoever. Rasulullah said, ثُمَّ عَرَضَ and then I saw a huge nation. Rasulullah said, I desired, I wished that this would be my ummah. A ummati hadihi. Rasulullah asked the two angels who were with him, Jibreel and Mikael. This is a dream which Rasulullah was seeing. Jibreel came and took his right hand, Mikael the left hand, and they took him in the strip. So Rasulullah said, is this my ummah? Rasulullah wanted this to be his ummah because it was huge. They said, no, hadi ummat Musa. These are Ben Israel. These are the Ummah of Musa, Bani Israel. But look to the right side. I looked to the right side and I saw a nation that is filling the horizon. And then they told me, look to the other side. So I looked in the other side and I saw a nation that is filling the horizon. They said, this is your Ummah. And 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will include with them 70,000. 70,000 of your ummah will enter into Jannah without going through hisab. Without going through the regular accounting of everyone else. 70,000 of this ummah will enter into paradise without going through the accountability stage that everyone else has to go through. This is the karama of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to this ummah. But we also learn from the hadith that the second largest nation is the nation of Bani Israel, the children of Israel. Another hadith narrated by Imam Ahmad. Rasulullah when he went to Hajj, he passed through a valley. He asked, what is the name of this valley? The name of this valley is the Azraq Valley. Rasulullah Rasulullah says as if I can see Musa coming down from this hill making hajj to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and making talbiyah. So Musa made hajj. He made hajj to the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yunus ibn Matta made hajj. And in other ahadith, we have narrations of other anbiya making hajj like Hud and Salih. So the anbiya of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they made hajj to the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah was making Muhammad sallallahu see them as if it was in front of his eyes. He saw Musa when he was coming down that hill. And he saw Yunus ibn Matta coming down that hill wearing wool clothes over a red camel. These are some of the fadail of Musa alayhi salam. صلى الله على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا. For further information, please contact Al Bashir Publications and Translations at 1-877-745-3330 or 303-574-0095. Our fax number is 303. 3730943 or visit our website at www.albashir.com that's www.al-b-a-s-h-e-e-r.com you can also write to our address at 10515 east 40th avenue suite 108 denver colorado 80239-3264 All rights reserved for Al-Bashir Company for publications and translations. No part of this series may be reproduced in any form without written permission from the publisher. Unlawful reproductions may prevent Muslim businesses from further producing quality programs. Your consideration is greatly appreciated. Jazakumullahu khairan. Please proceed to the next CD.